Welcome to Everything Why. I'm your host, Mike Martin. Join me as we uncover the essence behind every aspect of life. Because in everything, there's always a why waiting to be explored. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and support our mission at MissEmmasRetreat.com. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself to give you a little insight of where I came from. And uh, we're going to tell you where the story is going to go. I am an inventor, a disruptor as well. Is that's what I really am. And I think we should all strive to be disruptors, not in a bad way that we see on the news now where everybody's out there and uh, destroying other people's products and things and just uh, creating a mess, but being a disruptor in programs that don't work. I mean, give your voice. And so we're going to talk about ways to do that. We're going to talk about why things happen. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we laugh? Why do we cry? Why do we work? Uh, why do we do good? Why do we do bad? I know being an addict myself, had uh, many, many, many years of drinking. I quit 20 years ago. Also played in just about every drug that you could play with uh, and quit those a number of years ago through rehab. I've quit on my own and quit through rehab. So quite done quite a bit of all that. So understand the demons that go inside one's head. And so which leads me to probably the biggest thing in life that's helped me is quieting the mind. But we'll talk about all those things. We're going to talk about everything under the sun, actually, because uh, everything's got a why to it. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into a little bit of the history of where I came from. I was uh, born in Salt Lake. We're not going to get into too much of the young stuff, but I did move to Houston, Texas when I was four. Uh, lived here my whole life. Had a, lived in Braeburn Valley, lived a great neighborhood, great friends and family. To be honest, it was a storybook childhood. Made my mistakes, of course, but just had an absolutely wonderful childhood all the way through uh, high school. Went to college, tried to get myself killed a couple times in college, survived those. Didn't ever graduate, which is a different path in life that some of us choose to take where others choose not to they go the route with college. Uh, which I do believe there is a distinction. And so uh, neither good or bad, but just a distinction. And so during college, I did a lot of uh, owning my own companies. I uh, would do yard work and things like that. But I always invented, always had, always liked working, but didn't like working hard. So I would always try to find better ways to do things. I guess that's where the disruptor came in. Yeah. A lot of people are doing the same thing, and it looked too easy. I you know, just I kind of figured there, there was something amiss with it, and so I would look at it and usually find better ways to do things. I would say the first product that I invented without doing anything with would be the the new gutters that have the guards on them to keep the leaves uh, going in them. Uh, I came up with that when I guess was 1980, uh, 81. That would have been a good one, but never did anything with it. And look at it now. Uh, that's a huge one. Uh, I I came up with my first invention when I was out cleaning floors. Uh, that would be a weighted scrub brush, a 16-pound weighted scrub brush. When you scrub a floor, you have to use your back, uh, which is back-breaking. Uh, and I did that for a little bit and decided there's got to be a better way. So I put a weight on my brush, a 16-pound weight, and that created the necessary force needed to clean the floor. So I no longer had to be the elbow grease, so to speak. I could just uh, push and pull it. Another good line I always heard was, I put the 
dumbbell on the other end of the stick. So instead of being the dumbbell using the deck brush, I put the dumbbell on the stick and I would uh, just simply push and pull. So anyway, it's a great product. Built it in my garage uh, from actually my my new girlfriend, who's my wife today. Uh, her son's 10-pound dumbbell was the weight that I used to build that brush. <laughs> so uh, needless to say, we thought we were going to be rich when I invented it. And boy, 28 years later, we're still selling them. But uh, rich is not one of the things that we got off of it. <laughs> Uh, unless you're talking rich in life, because that I got. So it was quite the journey. Put it in 6,000 McDonald's. I got to play with some of the big competitors, and it was a lot of fun. And like I said, still doing it, still selling them. And so a uh, weighted scrub brush. Uh, you can see that at theheavyweight.com. And again, I have scrub brushes that are 20 years old, and they're still using the same scrub brush, So, uh, which is insane. And then you hear people tell me, oh, Mike, you got to make them where the brushes wear out faster. Well, that's kind of what got us in this problem that we're in now. So consumables, we could probably lighten our landfills some if we got rid of some of these consumables. And it seems the greener we get, the more individualized plastic packaging we go to. So <laughs> irony is everywhere. So uh, just look at life and you will see the opposite on everything. So as we go green, we get more plastic. As we go electric, we use more coals. <laughs> Uh, who knows? So, uh, so anyway, other, uh, after the heavyweight, uh, I did do a stint here in Houston, Texas with one of the grand masters of giving back. And that would be, uh, everybody knows the man, uh, Mattress Mac. So I worked with him for a number of years. He taught me tons and he was one that actually I would give credit to, uh, allowing me to go save my own life. But, uh, without his help, I would have been probably dead. So, I was in the throes of my pain pill addiction when I was working with Mac, and I went to him and uh, asked him if it would be okay if I checked myself out of work for a month and into rehab, and, which he said it would be okay, and I did, and my world changed there for sure. But we will do a podcast on Emma, my granddaughter, who was born with a knot on her chest and at three weeks was diagnosed with cancer and went through 52 weeks of chemo. A tragic story, one might think, but actually is one of the most beautiful experiences in my life. And again, in my life, when it's her cancer, it doesn't really make sense. But at the same time, Emma is amazing. Six years old, just had her first, her fifth scan, her fifth year scan, which uh, she passed with flying colors. So she is uh, in remission, so to speak. But she's six years old and just absolutely a, a rock star. And so, but she just set in motion things in my life that uh, not only saved my life, changed my life. And so, is that an attitude thing? Glass half full, half empty? Are there good things? Are there bad things? Or just how you handle the experience? And so, we had an experience and we handled it the way that we handled it. And it's turned out to be absolutely beautiful. And we will go into things over the time where this podcast go Again, as an inventor... You have to start, and you never know where it's going to go. I say that I know where it's going. Oh, we're going to be the biggest podcast in the world. I'm going to have the most scrub brushes you know, on the planet. Uh, the wine buckets I invent are going to be everywhere. Well, it never works that way. And so no one knows what's going to happen next. And so all you can do is start something, keep going, and maybe don't want to finish it, you quit, and it doesn't get finished. But if you want to finish it, you just stick with it, and who knows where it's going to take you. I did learn uh, a while back, the most meaningful journey in my life 
has been a journey between my ears. So I've always thought grand things, and I've always wanted grand things, but it seems like every day that I go by, the grand things are happening, and unless you notice them, you miss them. So, and that'll take us to another podcast we'll talk about, and that's Quiet in Your Mind. That's probably the biggest thing that has helped me through all my addictions and my heart disease, and we'll talk about that as well, is quieting the mind. Why aren't we told to quiet the mind? Did you know we can't listen? Why aren't we taught to listen? Did you even know that you could be taught to listen? Well, we only know what we know, and we're only taught what people want to teach us. And the real way to learn is to live it. And so we can be told not to do things, but you don't learn it until you do it. So as I stated, I've been an inventor since I was a kid. And in my adult life, I've had the, the opportunity to take about five products to market, a spa jet, a skinny clip. My buddy made, I have a buddy that I've known since we were seven years old and he's actually an inventor. So we actually invent things together. And uh, He helped me with the heavyweight. Uh, we've been doing that 29 years, but Inventing has got to be one of the coolest planet, uh, coolest jobs on the planet because it has everything to do with a business. I mean, you have to know everything. I mean, you might just invent the product, but you have to learn how to market it, to sell it, uh, how much it costs, how you can make it, the best way to make it. I mean, it's everything. And then if you're not familiar with the process, when you get into the process, you get to go to all the places where you get to learn that. So, I mean, my... First 10 years, the coolest part of my job was going into machine shops. Oh, my God, you know, see where everything's made? Going to a machine shop. You find out that cars aren't grown on trees. They're <laughs> built in buildings. So uh, absolutely amazing process to go through. So uh, I encourage everybody to try to invent something, try to create. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite shows or the favorite shows on TV are American Idol, The Voice, if you ask me, if you want to see God shine, look at the people on, especially American Idol. The voice to me are a little bit uh, farther down the road than uh, the singers that are going on American Idol. When they go on there, they're fresh. I mean, they're brand new. And they go in, like me, with no confidence, starting off, don't know what we're doing, have no confidence in ourselves, don't know where this thing's going to go. Uh, but we know it makes us feel good. And we know we have something we want to share with people uh, because that's what life's all about is sharing, you know. So, uh, but are you willing to get out of your closet and go share? So that's the question. Uh, why would I be afraid to go share? Well, who knows? We're going to discuss that why. <laughs> so, but when they get out on stage with no confidence, they start singing and then they get picked to go to the next round and they stand up a little bit straighter the next time. And then the next time it's even straighter. And then by the end, if they make it down to the finals, I mean, they are singing. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just the most amazing show. If you want to ask me what show has got on TV, it's American Idol. Uh, and so, uh, love watching those, but it's anything, uh, inventing stuff. I, again, I said that earlier, is there an end game in inventing? Man, I guess there's a big house and there's products everywhere. But when you just have people come up to you and say, hey, I love your product and it really changed my life, it's a scrub brush. <laughs> but believe me, we've changed thousands of people's lives with that scrub brush. And, uh, 
uh, again, people, the things that they've done for us. I've stayed in people's houses who didn't even know me, all because of a scrub brush, you know? And so what the greatest gift that you can give someone is to trust them, you know, someone you don't even know them. Uh, I had a McDonald's operator who I'm still friends with now, God, I guess 15 years in. And uh, I remember I was going up to Arkansas to to get him a couple brushes to test. And he said, uh, the keys are underneath my mat. I'll be back the next day, but please make yourself at my, uh, at home at my house. He didn't even know me, never even met him. And he's got me in his house <laughs> unsupervised. So, uh, so to speak. So, uh, I got to his house, sat on the couch until he got there. <laughs> Cause I, was, <laughs> I didn't know what to do with myself. So anyway, but, uh, again, to this day, I will never forget him doing that for me. Uh, and again, that's not because of it being in a million stores It's because it was in his store. And, uh, I don't know, maybe there's something to that, uh, in customer services, uh, Everybody counts, right? So I can go on about that. Everybody I sold brushes to. It's just uh, absolutely amazing. I encourage anybody, go build, go invent, go get it to market, and go live the dream, uh, whatever that may be. So uh, singing, poetry, it's not easy. It's hard. But uh, again, uh, the hard part's what makes it the fun part, because if it was easy, it wouldn't be fun, I guess. The second invention that I had that we took to market is a coolant curve. Some people might have heard how I came up with the coolant curve, but I was dead man walking before that product came along. Uh, I was in a high-stress job, uh, taking five, six pain pills at a time during that part of my addiction, 15 a day. Then I'd go to bed and I'd just eat myself alive with my mind just racing. Oh my God, that would just... Eat me alive. Oh, you suck, Mike. Oh, you suck, you suck, you suck. Taking pain pills is just would eat myself alive. My mind, the mind, the mind, the mind. So, but I just let it go. Didn't know how to stop it. I'd do everything I possibly could to quiet myself. Didn't know what to do. Um, then little Emma, she was born uh, with that knot on her chest, and that was uh, the final straw. My parents had been failing. Uh, they were getting close to needing my care. I had just finished up some hospice with my in-laws. And so everybody is pointing to me to take care of my parents. And then when Emma, like I said, when she was born with that knot on her chest, I right then decided I just checked myself into rehab. I went in, glad I did. Blood pressure was, you know, 186 over 126 and chest was killing me. So I was in the right place. Uh, and like I said, I was uh, first day there. Once I got out of detox, once I got to population, I like to I like to call it. Got over there. There's like 30 people uh, with the counselors in there. The first room I walked into, they're all having lunch, and they introduced me to everybody. And I was listening. My head was just you know I was in rehab, meeting everybody for the first time. It's it's a mind trip. I promise you. Doesn't matter if you're getting forced in or if you're going in by yourself. Rehab is. Uh, is a tough place. It's a it's a wonderful place. Place that uh, a lot of people need to go and get help and uh, hopefully get it. But it's a it's a mind bender for sure when you go in there. And so I got there the first day, and everybody wants to isolate the first day because you you suck, man. I mean that's all there is to it. You're in bad shape. You're down on yourself. Uh, you have no confidence. And so I had my couple books that I was reading, and I went over to the fence and sat down and. Uh, this kid that I'd heard talk a couple times about boats and his little GQ'd out, he came over his little flip-flops. Hey, Mike, you want to play some cornhole? We're out on break. <laughs> I was like, 
get away from me. So I didn't want to deal with anything, but he said no problem. He left, and he was on outpatient. So next day he came in wearing a Baylor shirt. My daughter went to Baylor, so I figured, well, I'll go there and talk to him. I apologize for yesterday. And so talked to him about Baylor. Uh, He was a theology graduate uh, from Baylor, which was kind of interesting. He was a young kid, 22 years old. And so we left it there, played a little cornhole. Later that day, we're on break. He's out there playing catch with someone. He could seriously throw a baseball. So I asked him, did you play baseball? And he uh, mentioned he did. He was a catcher on the practice team, which he uh, belittled himself on, which that's something I picked up on. I'm going to go off track here for a second. But if you're doing something, if you're in school or you start a new job, if you did anything, don't belittle it when you're explaining it to somebody. Oh, I'm in school, but I'm only taking two classes. No, no, no. You're in school taking two classes. Be proud of that, you know? We always belittle what we're doing. Don't belittle what you're doing. Love what you're doing. Be proud of what you're doing. A lot of people aren't doing it. So, again, let's stop with the belittling. So, anyway, he wasn't just a catcher on the practice team he was a catcher for Baylor Bears that made them a baseball team so that's what he was so anyway the next day he comes in wearing a sailing instructor shirt and I said hey you a sailing instructor too he goes yeah I won the silver medal in the junior Olympics when I was uh, little and he sailed all over the world which again 22 years old and he's in rehab for pain pills just like me so pretty interesting and so the next day Candy came, uh, my wife came to see me for the first time. I'd been in uh, for one week, and she told me that Emma was diagnosed with cancer and was going to start chemo the next day, 52 rounds of chemo. She had rhabdomyosarcoma, and she was the fourth child ever born with it. We were just mind-blown on that. And so uh, they started chemo the next day, and on that same day, we had art class in rehab, which I hadn't been to art class in 30 years, I guess. But anyway, in art class, they said, uh, we're going to do a vision board of what we're going to do when we get out to help people. And I had heard a phrase early on, and I'm a weekend, right, from my counselor, who, again, is one of the greatest ladies ever that helped me through what I was going through. But she gave me this term called eyes out. When your eyes are in, you're looking at yourself and watching your movie. Uh, and I'm she didn't quite say it that way. I've added the movie to it. But she just said, when your eyes are in, you're thinking of yourself. When your eyes are out, you're thinking of others. Well, I loved that line and uh, use it to this day. Uh, actually wearing a T-shirt right with it right now on that says on the back, eyes out, the natural antidepressant. Because when you are helping people, you are uh, healing yourself as well. Anyway, I got my vision board and I said, I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was going to get with that kid who sailed and we're going to go get a a sailboat and we're going to take cancer kids sailing in Galveston Bay. I mean, it was, we're going to call it Miss Emma's retreat. That's plain and simple. Uh, Everybody kind of laughed and said I was crazy. I said, no, something we can do. Let's, uh, let's make it happen. And so when I got to outpatient, which was the next week, I got computers. And so I could start looking at sailboats, uh, and Lawrence and I also, the first Wednesday, we went and started looking at sailboats, and sailboats were three, $400,000 for a good big one, and what I would need, and uh, I didn't have $300,000. I was in rehab, so, <laughs> so that wasn't going to happen. But uh, because I had access to the internet, I found a company called Sailtime, which does timeshare on sailboats, and I was like, well, that's much better. That's something I could uh, I could handle, and so started to piece that together. Uh, the a couple of days later, I went down to see my parents in Galveston, and this was the first time that I'd seen them since checking myself in. 
And I was still in trouble with them. Again, I'm 54 years old and struggling with pain pills. So come on, they're a little bit upset with me, but uh, glad that I went in and got healed and uh, I was now available to help them. And so uh, my dad took me down to the local restaurant, his favorite restaurant, uh, Nate's in Galveston, Jamaica Beach. And he sat me at the bar where you put your son in rehab. And uh, next thing I know, the the bartender comes, puts a bucket down, puts a bottle in it, puts ice on top of it. And I was like, well, that's not going to work. And my dad was like, what's that? I said, that wine bucket. And he was like, who cares? I said, no, I think I'm about to invent something. And which he was, oh, here we go. And I said, no, dad, watch this. And the bartender took the bottle over to the table, pulled the bottle out of the ice, opened it. But when he went to put the bottle back into the ice bucket, he couldn't get it back in. And I was like, dad, see that? That doesn't work. I grabbed a pen and I, a napkin and I drew the curve, the first curve bottom uh, beverage chiller uh, called the cooling curve. And as soon as I drew it, I mean, the second it hit, I knew exactly what I had. I mean, I knew what God had done. God had given me another opportunity to take a product to market. This was a little bit better than the heavyweight. And so uh, with some different dynamics to it, but I knew I was, I had one that could go. And if he was going to let me take another product to market, and which is a riot, I mean, it's the funnest you can have, and then take people sailing in Galveston Bay with some of the proceeds, I was like, man, it's all yours. And so Capitalism to Cause was formed right then, or started, called a manufacturer, got the wine bucket, and next thing you know, we had Miss Emma's Retreat, Capitalism to Cause, and my Cooling Curve wine bucket, patent pending, and the molds made, and container of product coming to Houston, Texas. Today, we sell a lot of buckets. We do a lot of good with the money, take a lot of people <coughs> sailing. Uh, I now captain a, a sailboat. I never sailed. I sailed 20 years ago in San Diego uh, with one of my son's friends, but never really sailed. And now I take groups of six out on our 45-foot Veneto and uh, share our sailing experience with people who are struggling with cancer or people who are going through anything in life, right? Just any kind of struggle. Because when you get out on the water, you get to God's area, right? We get the, the wind and the sails and the dolphins and the pelicans and everything going on. I mean, I'm telling you, you're, you're in peace. Uh, and it shows with the people that we take sailing. And it shows with me. I mean, uh, I've been the biggest beneficiary of this. I mean, got to remember, I'm an addict. I got a crazy brain. Uh, I've lost my two parents. I've lost two brother-in-laws, uh, had my granddaughter born with cancer. We have all sorts of stuff going on with us and I'm as good as it gets because of that sailboat. So we all benefit when you, when you help others. So I wrote that on the back of my photo book. Actually, the best thing in giving is everybody gets and that everybody is a person given. That gives you a little bit of an idea of who I am and uh, where I'm coming from. And again, just gives you a little bit of my products and stuff. But I'm telling you, we've been doing the heavyweight for 29 years. And boy, it was a ride. And life itself has just been an absolute ride. I was hitchhiking in Colorado with my dog, Bill, after quitting crack back in 1985. I addicted to crack, which... uh, did the government put that into the system? I don't know, but it got me. It got a lot of people. And so we're going to discuss that too. Uh, we're going to discuss a lot of things on this show because, again, I don't just invent things. I've lived a pretty crazy life. I haven't done it all by any means, but I sure have done a lot. 
and I've been paying attention and enjoying it and dealing with some pain, but for the most part, hasn't been that painful just because I've always learned there are no regrets, right? I mean, regrets, why would you regret? It's why we're here is all the mistakes that got us to here is why we're here. So I wouldn't trade that for anything. So a lot of living has been done in between those inventions and even beforehand, a lot of learning. Nothing goes as planned. And so as much as I've tried to drive the things the way I've wanted to drive them, they're going to do what they're going to do. And so you just have to be nimble on your feet and roll with it. And that's what I've seemed to do. And with a positive outlook, I've really kind of turned crazy into crazy with a smile, I guess. (laughs) So again, we're going to learn a lot of stuff in this podcast. Uh, We're going to learn, we're going to ask the question, why? Why do we do things? Uh, uh, why does capitalism work? Why wouldn't capitalism work? Socialism, everything. We're going to ask absolutely everything. Nothing's going to be off limits. There are usually answers. And if we don't have the answers, we'll find the answers. Uh, we'll go to people, we'll get them on here, and we'll talk to them about it. But the biggest thing that I've learned in the last five years and in my last 60 years is quieting the mind truly does help. Now, No one told me that I could quiet my mind. No one ever mentioned that to me. But then again, I was working at Gallery Furniture, and no one told me that I didn't know how to listen. Did you know that listening is actually a science? There's people that teach listening skills. I had no idea that you have to be taught how to listen. And you most certainly do have to be taught how to listen, because if you're not taught, you don't listen. You think while you're supposed to be listening, and then you miss the point because you were thinking while you're supposed to be listening. So uh, or one of our next podcasts, I'm going to have a gentleman called Graham Bodie on, and he is a listening expert. And wait to hear him talk. This is absolutely amazing. We're going to learn what I learned in three years at Gallery Furniture. Uh, Mac, one great thing about Mac is he always brought great people in to teach And you're always learning there. And so the best thing that I got out of, I would say, seven years of college and all my schooling was uh, Graham Bodie and the uh, listening skills that he taught me because that has helped me more than anything. Another thing that's been just an absolute joy, the best part of the experience is all the people I've gotten to know closely over the years, the people who have really helped me, the early adopters that became partners with me. But uh, when you invent stuff or you start stuff, even in this creation, this podcast, I've gotten to, to know Freddy Cruz, and he uh, has helped me tremendously. Uh, and again, I can't wait to see where this goes with us, right? And that's always been the case with everybody that has kind of jumped into my circle or whatever it is, because I hope this is a movement of some sort. I hope this is a another way. I don't ever want to say a better way, because I just want another way. And then the thing to do is to be aware of the way. (laughs) So we know what we're doing, why we're doing it, and we're doing it with purpose and meaning. So, uh, but the people that uh, have surrounded, I've surrounded myself with or who've come to me uh, because of uh, the projects that I'm working on, man, they are experts in their own rights. And uh, I want to have them here so you can meet them. Scott Campbell, my chef, heart transplant recipient. Are you serious? Scott Noble, uh, one of the smartest people I've ever met. Randy Holland, 
He used to work at Compact, and he owned his own nursery of all things and made his money, and now he's out there in Louisiana fishing, uh, living the dream and, and helping every way he can. And so, uh, again, I hope to bring everybody that's helped me, uh, Herb Hutchinson, McDonald's operator, uh, who's, again, he's the one that let me in his house. I can't wait for y'all to get to meet these people, to hear their perspectives on everything, and to, uh, and to give you a little light that if you decide to go out and do something like this, this is what's going to happen, because people will help. Uh, there's no way around that. If you help yourself, they're going to help you. If you don't help yourself, they're not going to help you. It's that simple. And then we'll also talk about inventing. We'll talk about uh, ways to take it to market, ways not to take it to market, and everything why. So we'll end with something that I said a little bit earlier, but I'm going to end every show with this, and it's eyes out. And remember, adversity only makes for a thicker book and a better movie. Have fun out there. Eyes out. Thank you for listening to Everything Why. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us grow by following us on your favorite podcast platform and sharing with your family and friends. To learn more about my work, go to capitalismtocause.com.